Hello and welcome to an exciting special History Bluffs episode where truth is stranger than fiction. I want to bring to the show your host for today. It is Chris. Hello and welcome to History Bluffs. We are live and we are excited to be live because we are doing this show as Hurricane Ian is pounding Florida. So good luck to everyone in the past. Of, it's like right outside. I'm in Orlando. Yeah. It's right outside. Where are you, Chris? I'm actually in Macon, Georgia. I you son of a gun. You live like a few miles from me. Why are you in Macon? <laughs> uh, I am because I was, uh, I'm scheduled to be in an improv festival in Tennessee this weekend. Oh, and I had the opportunity to leave town early. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I was able to leave Orlando early and get ahead of the storm. Uh, so okay. I... Stopped here in Macon to do this show, and I have another thing I'm doing after this uh, oh. broadcast, uh, something else. And um, so I, I stopped at a hotel to be able to do those two broadcasts from a place where I had this, a strong signal. Well, lucky guy. Well, so far I have power and internet, so I'm going to give you the stage, my friend, and uh, the show is yours. I'll be right here. All right. Well, thank you so much, Adam. That's uh, Adam Bellis, our amazing uh, lead of this show, and, and he takes care of the technical stuff for us. Tap indeed for it, Adam. Uh, so we have uh, three amazing panelists for you tonight in History Bluffs. Uh, we're just going to get right to it and bring them in because, as Adam and I mentioned earlier, this is an improvised game show, and uh, you'll see that it's truly improvised tonight because all of our panelists are in Orlando, and if any of them lose power or lose their internet connection, we will continue to move on forward with the show uh, in as true improvisers that we are. So uh, without any further ado, let's bring on our panelists. Uh, first, we have Mr. Alan Forbes. Come on up, Alan. Hi, there I Hello, am. Alan. Welcome <laughs> back to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, I've got uh, all my preparations ready. Um, I, I, I have collapsible water containers that uh, I right. filled up with tap water so I can run them through my Brita filter in the event that I need fresh drinking water. And hopefully it won't come to that, but we'll see. Nice. All right. Well, well done. Uh, we'll come back to you in a second. Next up, we're going to bring on Miss Gina Daroma Hunter. Gina, come on. Please. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. I'm very excited. I was very excited to have you here. What, uh, How's the, how's the situation outside of your house right now? Oh, it sounds like we're in a canyon. It keeps going. It's like that scary kind of Halloween. Ooh. Ooh. So right. it's a little spooky. Okay. All right. Spooky indeed. Um, last but certainly not least, we have Mr. Charlie Downs joining us as our third panelist tonight. Come on in, Charlie. Good evening. You just see, Charlie, you're on full-on hurricane prep. What is that you're uh, imbibing? Oh, that's on another bourbon. Right. Just another one. It's what I've been doing all day. It's I've got Guinness. Go. Oh, <laughs> well done, Adam. Okay, well, the three of you are our panelists for tonight. Welcome to the stream. Welcome to the show. Uh, and for uh, those of you uh, watching live or watching a rerun of this, um, a tape of this, uh, we're going to ask Adam to put up the rules of the show. And we'll explain how History Bluffs works. Here come the, the rules. rules. So, our historians are going to be inspired by a topic. Uh, they are going to tell us stories. Each of the three panelists are going to tell us a story uh, that is inspired by a topic. Uh, tonight's topic is actually the word uh, 
harvest. Uh, and um, they are going to tell us true stories, uh, or one of them is actually bluffing. So it's up to us, because I don't know either which one of them is a bluff, but one of our three panelists is, is going to be bluffing. And the other two are telling true stories. The true stories are all factual stories. The bluff story is a fictional story, uh, and no audience help is allowed. We're asking anybody that's watching now and commenting, if you are looking stuff up, please don't look stuff up and put it in the comments. Uh, save that for the end, because there will be an opportunity at the end for us to make a guess as to who we think is tonight's bluffer. And um, so with that, um, I will come back on. And um, uh, so each of you are, uh, let's see, teach me history with the fury of 10K floating suns. Yes, indeed. Challenge uh, accepted. You got it, Gina? You got it. Take this, Gina. This is the sun. I'm ready to do it whenever you're right. ready. Great. Uh, so, uh, the way the show works is that each story uh, is going to be told in three different parts. Round one will be 75 seconds, round two will be reduced down to 60 seconds, and then round three will be the shortest of them all, and they'll wrap up their story in round three in 45 seconds. Um, and throughout the show, we'll have banter back and forth, uh, commenting on each other's stories and asking questions, opportunity to ask questions, and hopefully we'll get some comments uh, from the audience as well. And then we'll determine at the end of the show who will uh, be the most popular guest for tonight's bluff. Only Adam knows who is the bluff. Adam and the bluff. <laughs> Adam and the bluff themselves are the only two people who know who the bluff is. True. Uh, so uh, without further ado, let's get to it. Um, so, um, Alan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, and, uh, Alan, your, uh, round number one. Oh, but wait, Chris, we, we can't start round one without actually announcing round one. Yes, that's what I was just about to do. So I'm glad you jumped just, in there and did that. That was so just one now, of the thousands Alan, of exploding suns right there. Indeed. So, uh, Alan, your round one will begin when the clock comes up, the little sundial comes up on screen, and you hear the boom, uh, and you begin your story now. Well, ever wonder why fall decor is so popular these days? Oh, I need a title for this, and uh, that title is the fall and rise of decor. I think. <laughs> anyway, ever wonder why uh, decor is so popular? Fall decor is so popular these days. Well, time to turn your wayback machines all the way back to the 2010s. Yes, it is the year 2007, <laughs> and Marjorie Williams of Peoria, Illinois, is despondent. She had lost her mother to a terminal illness over the summer and was saddened she could not be with her this Thanksgiving. Her husband, Edward, knowing his wife loves the fall, offers to take her to a nearby pumpkin patch. And that's when inspiration hits her. Marjorie realized that every fall she could completely retool her home and not even have to conform to her previous designs due to fall-themed decor being so in inexpensive she shared her initial designs with her friends on social media but it wasn't until the purchase of her first iphone that the trend was launched into the stratosphere and i'll give you more later all right well done well done uh let's bring up gina uh gina we're gonna ask you what's your initial take on alan's uh, first round of story uh the fall and rise of decor 
First of all, great pun. The second of all, there is no way that 2007 was the first time a woman decorated. I'm sorry, but it happened. <laughs> They're called pilgrims. And so there's, this has been going on for a lot longer than 2007 there, Alan. I didn't say it's the first time a woman decorated. <laughs> I'm saying yeah. the rise in popularity of fall decor. Now, Gina, would you say that fall decor was as popular in 2005 as it is today? Let's see. No, probably not. Uh -huh. It was probably just my roommate who was the Martha Stewart of Martha Stewart's before Martha Stewart was Martha Stewart. <laughs> and now Pinterest has made everybody into Martha Stewart except me. I can't do it. All right. Well, you at least go. you know your limitations. You know your limitations. That's admirable. Mm -hmm. uh, Charlie, what do you think about Alan's story, the rise and fall of decor? Well, first of all, how do you not call it the rise of fall decor? Mm. Like, it's just Good more point. succinct. You know, it's a, it sounds a little better. Should have um, consulted and you. I, I agree with <laughs> Gina. I mean, like, now here's the question. What's the difference between fall decor and Halloween decor? Because I feel like I've seen Halloween decor since, like, forever. And yes. uh, not not just the uh, ten years or whatever it is we're going back we're going back in time a decade you know <laughs> we, we've all lived through that decade I, it we, seems we like we would indeed. have noticed Charlie back, I think Charlie Charlie you need only ask your wife the difference between fall decor and Halloween decor and I'll give you a hint there are no bats involved in fall decor oh. <laughs> all right well well done. Uh, Gina, we're going to bring you back up on screen, Gina, and we're going to have you begin uh, your first round of your story uh, when the sundial clock comes on screen. Hear the okay. boom. You okay. can begin. And there you go. The okay, there it is. Okay, so a um, long time ago, and as we know, um, oh, do I have to have a title? I'm going to call this one Fortified Wine, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, a long time ago, uh, back in the day, there were um, Egypt. It was actually in its own little corner of the world. And except for some of the tributaries where they did some trading, there wasn't a lot of contact between Egypt and a lot of the rest, a lot of the other parts of the world. Now, remember, this is going back into ancient times. So when um, Napoleon invaded Egypt, um, it opened uh, it, it brought a lot of Egyptian culture to Europe. And when that happened, uh, they there was a thing called Egyptomania, which is where um, a lot of people really became obsessed with a lot of this stuff coming out of Egypt. And so uh, merchants would then take some, uh, they would actually uh, steal mummies from their resting burial sites, which is, uh, which is very, very bad religiously if you're Egyptian. So that's not, that's bad. I just want to just put that out there that that's bad. But this is what the story is about. So uh, they would steal these mummies and they would take them and they would basically traffic them, which is where they stole them and sold them for profit. Um, mummies were purchased for um, these rituals where they would grind them up and eat them for, it was called mumia, which was like a um it was well i'll get into that a little bit more and tell you what they used it for uh in the second round and the stolen mummies all right all right uh charlie uh what do you think of gina's story uh and the egyptomania that she's talking about um i feel like everything she said up to maybe the like crumpling up of the mummies i feel like everything she said before that i had heard at some point somewhere uh so I, I, ah. although although I, i'm pretty sure greece and rome traded with uh egypt back like before napoleon so uh they weren't as far away as you think 
before. Okay. Okay. Really. They did that in the um, starting in the 15th century. They started like more and more trafficking of that. Europe was introduced during when Napoleon invaded. So, um, but it'll be like more tied to Europe. You'll see. Okay. All right. More to come. More details to come. Alan, what what do you think, Alan, of, of Gina's first round? Uh, you know, it was getting interesting there. Um, but uh, okay, Zach is is criticizing my decorum. So <laughs> not my decor. I think Zach likes my decor. Let me show him some more of my decor. But my decorum, I have none of. So okay, that that's fair. I don't have a lot of de decorum. Um, what was the th oh Mamiya? I wanted to know what Mamiya was, and I was I, I was getting ready to be offended because I thought something horrible was about to happen with the Mamiya. So I'm anxiously anticipating round two. It, okay. it is normal. Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't oh, Abba right. sing a song about them? This Mamiya, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia became very popular. They dropped the uh, in the editing. They dropped the mummies out of that out of that show. Uh, so, uh, Charlie, Charlie, you're going to come on screen now, and uh, Charlie's going to start his round one uh, when the sundial clock comes on and you hear the boom, and he's done with his bourbon. There you go. All right, I'm calling this Colonel Johnson and the Salem Trial. Um, back in the day, before a lot of things, uh, <laughs> tomatoes <laughs> were, uh, were, were found in the uh, New World and then brought across the world from there. Uh, they had different nicknames. They had, uh, they, some people called it the love apple, some people called it the wolf peach, uh, or a poison apple. Uh, because, it's, because of its ties to nightshade, a lot of people uh, several hundred years ago were really concerned about the tomato and whether or not it was um, poisonous or not. Did my time clock just start Keep over Keep going. Again? I've done the math. It's a shorter timer. Go, go, go. <laughs> okay. uh, so a lot of people in the new world were, oh, not in the new world, but like when the colonies came together, uh, they were concerned as to whether or not they should eat this. Uh, so uh, the residents of Salem, New Jersey, held a trial against the poisonous of the poisonousness of the tomato in 1820. Now, the person who came to the defense of the tomato was Colonel Robert <laughs> Gibbon Johnson, and he believed that they were grapefruit and that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't kill you. So the way he proved that was well. The story goes that Johnson said he would eat a tomato at noon on the county courthouse steps. And we'll find out more later. Wow. Daring, daring. Uh, Gina, yeah. what, do you think, what do you think of Charlie's story about Robert Johnson, Colonel Johnson, and uh, the love apple, otherwise known as the tomato? <laughs> well, I would just like to say, um, being Italian, I've gotten three out of those four nicknames at some point in my life. Um, so I think that I think that that's the only thing that I had so far because um, tomatoes were, in fact, inf invented in the New World. I, as an Italian, can swear to that. Um, the they were brought over. Um, Robert Gibbons, probably a long distance relative to Robin, and then. Um, <laughs> The only the only crack in your story is that Salem, New Jersey, is very close to New York, which is where Little Italy is housed, which is where a lot of tomatoes belong. And so I don't know if people on the East Coast will really vibe to this. I don't want to eat a tomato BS. Okay, all right, interesting take. Um, Alan, uh, what do you think? 
I love the idea of there being a Salem tomato trial with a, uh, a tomato with it sitting in a noose waiting for the people dressed up in their frocks looking like people from the Crucible about to execute him. I That's think awesome. that'd, be, that'd be awesome. I, I want to see that. Yeah. Well, uh, and the best part is, like the Salem witch trials, um, if, if, if the tomato had been found uh, guilty, it would have been crushed. And just think of the deliciousness that would have come from that. But then, but then the, the abolitionists would have been like, come on, guys, be more progressive. Catch up. Ah! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You know what that deserves, Adam? <laughs> A rim shot. There you go. Oh, I know. I, I, think, I, know exactly I think the power's going out of my house. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's cutting <laughs> out. Gina, Gina gets the tomato. Oh. Gina, for that, for that uh, incredible pun, uh, we're going to have you stay on screen, and we're going to have Gina come back on screen. And, Gina, you're going to begin round number two. Round two. Gina, don't forget, this is now round two, and our stories are getting shorter. So for this second round, uh, we're going from 75 seconds down to 60 seconds. Oh, Gina, when the clock comes on and you hear the boom, you are on your clock. Okay, so um, Mumia is uh, where they crush up the whole mummy, um, whatever's left of it after they take out the amulets and things like that. Um, I'll get to that in a second. And they uh, they give it to people. Now, the merchant sold it to poor people saying it was a cure-all, to rich people saying it was a cure-all. But they also sold mummies to the aristocrats um, saying that if they wanted to, they would find jewelry and all kinds of cool stuff inside the mummy, which was true, um, plus a lot of um, very unusual spices and things like that. So they would have these big mummy parties where they would invite the local society um, they, they would be up to 3,000 people and they would actually have food and drink and everybody would get sloshed on um, gin or fortified sherry. Um, what's the difference between regular sherry and fortified sherry? It takes four to five more of them to get you uh, drunk because they're really, no, 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 the other way around because they're really strong. And so the point is, is that these people are sloshed and then the host rings a little bell and then undoes the first tissue, Muppet, mummy crap, you know, the little pie stuff. And there it is. They reveal it. And there's an awful smell. Okay. We will end on the smell. The smell of hanger. Alan, you know, I just it just occurred to me, if Mummy Mia was actually a musical, it would be written by Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. That's fair. Alan, what do you think of Gina's story? I wasn't sure where we were going with Mamiya because is Mamiya just everything that used to be a part of the mummy? Is that what you're saying? And they would just grind it up and they would uh, give it to people to and like almost like a tonic and they would say, oh, this is a cure-all. Here you go. Or how, okay, you know, so it was like, or, yeah. it was like snake oil, but it was or in a tonic. Uh -huh. It's and dead also, people. Dead people. And they also sold it as, um, they also would sell it as paint. Really? So, Yes, that was called Mummy Brown. Oh my goodness! Okay. I, the I precursor to Soylent Green. Yeah, yes. it's people. Oh, Mamiya is people. Oh my goodness! It gets better, guys. It gets better. Wow! I hope so. Charlie, what do you think, Charlie? What do you think of Gina's Mamiya story? And well, first of all, it's not the first time uh, Gina has ended a story with a terrible smell, but we won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I also, as as. The resident board game expert of History Bluffs. I also um, am a little worried that she's veering into my story of uh, how Operation the board game was originally created. So um, be careful with that. Okay. 
All right. Interesting. Take Charlie, we're going to keep you up here on screen. Um, and uh, we're going to ask Adam to put up the clock and the correct timer for the second round, 60 seconds. And you will have your chance when you hear the boom. Coming up. So the story goes that uh, in Salem, 2,000 people were waiting uh, for Johnson to come out. And uh, Johnson walked across uh, the square in his tricorn hat and his cane and his gloves. And uh, he spoke briefly about the history of the tomato, of where its origins were and why it's not poisonous. Then he reached down into a basket that was provided for him fill filled with tomatoes and he grabbed one and he bit one and he ate it whole and then he grabbed another one and ate that one whole too and the audience was stunned because he didn't die and so then after that they thought tomatoes were great and then Ooh. new jersey became one of the largest producers of tomatoes and they uh got really lucky because then they could ship them off to things like philadelphia or the loveless big apple <laughs> okay all right uh dina what do you what do you think uh, about charlie's second round with two thousand people waiting for colonel johnson to take a bite of the tomato yeah it's starting to scan now i mean at least people are enjoying the tomatoes up in that region like they do now so it's starting to come together for me okay starting to believe it uh alan what's your take well, it does it does make sense because I, I believe Tom Brady refuses to eat any form of nightshade, so he doesn't eat tomatoes, and uh, people have attributed that to his uh, quarterbacking skills in the NFL. Um, but maybe it's too accurate as it's throwing Gina with the fact that it is uh, geographically located near New York City, which, as we know, makes the best pizza, which, of course, has tomatoes. So I don't know. What will... We'll, what could it be? A, a lie that is half-truth. Wow, wow. Okay, interesting take there. Um, Alan, we're going to keep you up on screen, oh, and we're going to have you uh, come back to the fall and rise of decor, or as Charlie would have named it, the rise of fall decor, uh, and hear <laughs> your second round of your story now. Well, as many people commented, I'm going to continue my notes here, which says, Now, you are probably thinking, I've seen Fall Decor before 2007, <laughs> and you would be correct, but it was never quite this common in society. Magazines would often have fall decorations, but before the common nature of social media, it was just acknowledged as something the wealthy did with lofty budgets. It was social media, and Marjorie specifically, that made autumn decor what it is today. Marjorie's Pinterest account was amongst the first to debut with, uh, with Pinterest upon its launch in December of 2009. Instantly, people took to Marjorie's designs and were inspired to make their own holiday decor. Suddenly, Christmas wreaths were boxed next to autumn wreaths in people's holiday supplies. Well done, sir. All right. Um, Gina, uh, what do you think of Alan's second round of his story on fall decor and, and yeah. fall colors becoming popular? It also scans because December of 2009, um, on the dawn of Pinterest, is when I started to be, be, like feel a little um, inadequate as a woman. 
uh, because I'm very bad at crafting. So that's Dan's. This has been about, yeah, like 13 years. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. All okay. right. And Charlie, let's bring you up uh, to the main pop there and, and get your take on this. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I just want some more examples from Alan of, of fall decor. Uh, you know, <laughs> the bats, not bats, depending on what you look at. Uh, he did, though, sneak one in at the very end with his uh, autumn wreath. So uh, so I'm, just, I'm waiting for more examples. Of They're coming. I mean, I live in Florida, so fall decor <laughs> is the same as summer decor. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. A different hue of, of, of uh, green and sun. Um, yeah, exactly. So, uh, all right, uh, that is our third and final story in round number two, which means we are moving on now to the conclusion round, round number three. So for our first uh, and don't, story, don't forget, Chris. to conclude their story on uh, their harvest story, we're gonna bring Charlie up, and Charlie, we're gonna ask you to lead off round number three. And when you are in the box and you have the clock come up and you hear the boom, you may start the conclusion. Remember, this is reduced down to 45 seconds. So, Charlie, come on to the main part of the screen and tell us your story. This is a good time Adam to remind the audience at home that you, too, can weigh in if you feel like you might know who's bluffing. Mm. All right. Thank you, Adam. And here's Charlie with his round three conclusion. I just want to set up a little history of why the rest of the world might have thought that tomatoes were poisonous. Uh, like I talked about before, they are part of the nightshade family, and most of the nightshade uh, family is kind of poisonous for you. Uh, I think the two notable exceptions are eggplant and tomatoes. Uh, and most of the world, and mainly Europe and America, uh, their their response to the tomato is because of John Gerard's uh, Gerard's 1597 work Herbal, uh, which said that the whole plant was poisonous, and so they read that, and so that's why they all thought it was horrible to do. All right. Uh, <laughs> he he, he needs to rest of his time to go. So. Um, uh, Gina, what, what's uh, what's your take now? Are you feeling a little bit more confident in Charlie's story, or no? You're shaking your head, no. No, um, that last part did not drive it home for me, and nor did it make me not believe him. But nor did it drive it home for me. So I don't know. I'm now I'm on the fence. I was like, yeah, okay, that's kind of scanning, but it just felt it felt that there were lack of details. Oh, interesting take. All right, uh, Alan, what say you? Uh, I mentioned nightshades in my last uh, rebuttal of round two. Um, I think, you know, yeah, night nightshades are yeah. a thing. Um, so with that respect, that's not a bluff. So I will let that go. Yeah, sure. I endorse Charlie. All right. And, and you also mentioned uh, Tom Brady in your in your. I did. You said yes. his, his quarterbacking skills are his are attributed to his not eating eggplant or tomatoes, apparently. Okay. Uh, apparently. I mean, I'm well, sure there's maybe, more to it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> no. you should have taken some on Sunday, though. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh Gina. All right. All right. Well, uh, Alan, we're going to have you come back up, and we're going to have you um, uh, finish your story, round three, your 45-second conclusion, when you hear the boom. 
All right, well, we, we, we need some examples. Uh, so what about chrysanthemums? Uh, chrysanthemums, we see them at local garden centers and in the grocery store. And they're actually native to the Orient and parts of Russia. And it was cultivated in China around 1500 BC. And by the 8th century AD, it, was, it found its way to Japan and was very well received. Um, let's skip ahead. Pumpkins. Obviously pumpkins. And I don't just mean jack-o'-lanterns. I mean pumpkins. These are part of fall decor. And nowadays, we don't even have to settle for orange pumpkins. We can have, like, uh, turquoise pumpkins that match your decor so that it doesn't clash with just orange and brown. You're no longer limited to fall colors. It's crazy! Crazy indeed. Uh, Charlie, what do you think? Pastel pumpkins. Is that scan for you? Pastel pumpkins? Well, I mean, it was interesting that the one thing, one of the things he chose was already a holiday decoration for Halloween. And then the one alternate color was turquoise, which I believe is a blue. And blue pumpkins at Halloween are actually a special thing that you set out that I believe are to, to for autistic children. So that way they know, you know that they are autistic and you can give them, you know, you know how to treat them uh, so you don't scare them or something. Um, so he's just, I mean, like, he's not even come up, coming up with interesting colors that don't exist. I mean, <laughs> okay. All right. these are, uh, these are colors. Yes. The colors exist. Yes. This is true. <laughs> uh, Gina, what do you think? This is what confuses me about being a girl. Okay. So they say that you can we, change. We, we do not have this much time, Gina. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, I hang out with boys. Okay, so um, no, I, I love I love women and everything that they're about. I just don't understand. Okay, so like, okay, so for example, you have a pumpkin, and just because you put it, you make it turquoise, then therefore you can use it as fall decorations. I'm yes, this because it's a pumpkin. A pumpkin is by nature. Color. Oh, summer. brother, <laughs> Gina. You have to have a matching theme in your decor. Have you learned nothing? I do. I have Batman and Superman <laughs> and Wonder <laughs> And Gina, one other thing you can do, Gina, if you if you wrap uh, if you wrap white uh, uh, wrapping all around a chrysanthemum, you get chrysanthemumia, and that would bring us to your oh, round. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hi. So, Gina, your round three. Uh, you can you can wrap up your uh, yeah. story. With your 45 second round now please yes oh, real quick uh, before before we jump into that we have an audience uh audience comment here about uh, vote in for gina as being truthy so yeah. here's her round three entry to see if she backs okay. it up uh charlie you're in caution land jeez and alan's just mm. oh, <laughs> they got thanks a lot adam and thanks killigan and also i'm gonna give you i'm gonna lay on some facts right now as soon as that bomb drops here it comes Okay, so when the host would undo the first bandage and the smell would emerge, it was a smell that was, they would say, of caramel, green beeswax, whatever the heck that is, um, fish, because sometimes they would pack fish to go on the journey, fruit, uh, juniper berries, and myrrh. Nobody since days of Jesus have, we don't know what myrrh is still to this day, but uh -huh. apparently smelly. Um, so that would be sort of what they would keep. Uh, that and some salts would kind of keep the, the body preserved. Uh, and then um, 
as they continued to unwrap it, inside they would find amulets and gold and anything that the family had given for the journey to the other side. Now, keep in mind, this is a journey to somebody's religious. It's a continuation of life. Um, so that's why it was very important for the people who stole the mummies to recycle the mummies and sell them for parts. <laughs> um, that was basically it. Can I end with one quick, uh, one quick wrap up for the whole yeah. thing? Um, the, um, Susan, I'm not lying. Okay. Um, anyways, so I'm just kidding. It's fine if you think I am, because this is gonna, this is about to blow your world. Wait, wait, um, Gina, 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 did you just say this is your wrap up? Yeah. Oh, do you want me to wrap it? No, no. Hey, oh, oh, wait, oh, 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 Charlie oh, needs a tomato. And for the record, Gina, uh, Gina, for the record, uh, we do know what Murr is. Murr is one of the guys on Impractical Jokers. Yes, yes, there we go. Okay. I always thought Myrrh was one of those frankincense. <laughs> no, no, it's a mummy scent. All right, well, we have heard from all three of our panelists for the first, second, and third rounds of their stories. We have already a vote in for Alan. We have a vote in for Gina as the bluff. For the rest of us, it's time to now determine who we think is the bluff. And uh, I'm gonna pound, I'm gonna poll the panelists real quick before we have Adam tell us who the actual bluff is. But uh, Charlie, if you were to say who the bluff is, who do you think the bluff is tonight? Um, I want to say it's Gina because once again, it, at first I thought uh, it was Operation, but now it reminds me at Christmas we played this game where somebody takes a whole bunch of cool things and wraps them in cellophane and you have like three seconds to pull off the cellophane and anything you get is yours and then you pass the ball to the next guy and then he pulls off a whole bunch of stuff and you just keep passing it around the family and you get all these what would have been jewels or gift cards so depot you know uh so I, it's got to be gina all right that's a vote for gina uh alan what do you think all right, so as far as a preservative for a mummy, myrrh may make frankincense, but oh, wow. fish as a preservative, absolutely yeah. not. No one is using fish to preserve anything ever at any point in history. I call bluff. All right, it's a vote for Gina. Okay, and uh, Gina, who do you think the bluff is? Oh, yeah, just first, like to say, my story was not inspired by Cavity Sam, but it was inspired by real people who were robbed of their ability to go to the netherworld. So, therefore, I think Charlie is lying. <laughs> That's <laughs> why. All right. Great rationale there. Great. Or bluffing. All right. Well, it is time to find out the truth. Uh, which one of our paddlists is the bluff? Could it be? Oh, I think this is the time for Adam to reveal the bluff. Indeed, Adam, we would love for you to reveal the bluff. Adam, All you're right. the only one who knows. I Are am you? the only one who knows. Okay. And the bluff. Chris, I will ask you to step off of our virtual stage if you would. Will do. <laughs> one second. Hold on. As soon as he figures <laughs> out how to step off, get off the stage, Chris. <laughs> there he is. There he's gone. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the bluffs are before you, or are they the truths? We don't know. Was it Gina? Or could it have been Charlie? Or might it even have been Alan? I and I alone know. I will tell you the reveal tonight. Your bluff has been... Alan! <laughs> yes, Killigan Zach. 
You found me out, you and whoever you are watching this with. <laughs> well, done, well done. Well done. That's true. Although there there was some truth to my story, but it was complete. This woman that I completely made up. She's not the one who created the rise and fall decor at all. No. Uh, okay. I, I, I was yeah. It's the timing also made me it made me think of uh, and I don't know why because I'm sure it came out later, but. I, Orange is a new black pops in my head. In the- <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much, ladies and gentlemen, for watching. Uh, some interesting votes. Uh, and Alan, I don't know that anyone actually picked you as the bluff. So, uh, Not in the studio, but our audience, oh, yeah, Killigan yeah, yeah. Zach. Congratulations to Killigan Zach. Was Killigan Zach wins the, uh, the right to be uh, the one who picked the bluff this week. Uh, unfortunately, there's no prize for that. Exactly. <laughs> Bragging okay. rights. Go ahead, Gina. He or she could pick, or they could pick the next topic. For That's next, true. Maybe. That is true. Maybe next week, yeah. That is true, yeah. Go. So, so uh, yeah, if you are still online, uh, throw a, a topic in the, in the uh, chat there, and we'll, uh, we'll pick that as one of our uh, upcoming shows. That'll be the topic for one of our upcoming shows. Uh, so, uh, thanks so much once again for watching an edition of History Bluffs, the special edition of History Bluffs, brought to you, unfortunately, by Hurricane Ian. Once again, we uh, <laughs> wish everyone, uh, in, in all seriousness, we wish everyone safe and health uh, during this hurricane. And, and, um, and uh, thanks to all the uh, people that are helping bring, uh, as I was driving up here, I, I saw um, huge numbers of uh, convoys of um, uh, heavy equipment and trucks going down their way to, on their way to Florida. So thank you to mm. everyone uh, that, that is first responders within Florida and people that are coming back out uh, yes. from other states to help us out. And Much appreciated. Back on feet. Much appreciated indeed. Um, thank you, Adam, for uh, doing again, an amazing job uh, as tech. Thank you to Gina. Thank you to Charlie. And thank you to our bluff tonight, Alan. So we shall see you once again on another edition of History Bluff. Thank you for tuning in. We will be here next time, and we hope you will, too. 